0: Hello everybody, this is our 12th sermon looking at the book of Exodus and today we're in Exodus 18 and the title of this sermon is We All Need Help. As we are all well aware, many things in our lives have changed during this pandemic. A lot of those changes have brought a sense of loss and have been difficult to deal with but there is one change I have seen that is wholly positive positive many of us are now more willing to accept help. I've lost count of the number of times I have delivered a food bank parcel and the recipient has said to me, oh, thank you so much. I've never felt able to ask for help before, but this will make such a difference. Or, thank you so much. I don't like to bother people like you usually, but I didn't know where else to turn. And it's not just those struggling to feed their families. Millions of people who would previously have been far too proud to ever claim benefits are now gratefully receiving the benefit of the furlough scheme. And businesses, especially those in the hospitality sector like on Isla, are taking all the government grants they can get their hands on. They know they have no choice. This is not the time for bravado and bluster. It is accept the help or go under. And it's not just finance either. As the lockdown takes such a heavy toll on our mental health, people are being honest about the anxiety they feel, the darkness they live with, and they're turning to doctors and counsellors, family and friends for help, often for the very first time. Perhaps ultimately, every single one of us who has taken the vaccine has recognised that we need help to protect us from this virus. We just cannot stave it off on our own. Times of trial like this pandemic show up our vulnerability. In them we realise that we're just not as strong and independent as we like to think we are. In a crisis the mask slips and it turns out that we all need support. At times we must all turn to sources of help that are bigger and stronger than ourselves. I think this recognition of the need for help and the willingness to accept it is a very positive development in our society. And as it happens, it is also what today's passage from Exodus is all about. The tone for this chapter is set very early on when we are given the name of Moses' second son in verse 4. Over the last few months, we have seen that the Exodus story is told very succinctly the narrator misses out all unnecessary detail and gets straight to the point. For example, this chapter begins with the news that Moses had sent his wife, Zipporah, away. But we have no idea when or why that happened. The narrator just does not think that those details are important enough for us to bother with. Now, when we realise that the account has been written so sparingly, it should make us take notice of every detail that is included for we know it is there for a reason. And this is particularly true when it comes to names. Names tell us a lot in the writing of the Old Testament. For example, despite him being the most powerful person in all the world at the time, the narrator of Exodus never tells us the name of Pharaoh. Yet he does tell us the names of the Hebrew midwives in chapter 1. Shifra and Puah's exploits showed such courage and faith, their names are never to be forgotten. In verse 4, Moses' second son is mentioned for the only time in the entire book. In fact, in the whole Bible, nothing more is known about him than his name. And that is because in the context of this chapter, that name is important. So what is the name of Moses' second son? It is Eliezer, which literally means my God is helper. When Moses gave him the name, he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Placing this name right at the beginning sets the scene for a chapter that is all about the different types of help we need in life and how God brings that help to us. It is the Lord that saves us from our position of weakness and vulnerability. As the chapter progresses, there are three types of help that are mentioned. Let's look at each one in turn. The first type of help we find on offer in this chapter is the most important of all. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, realised he needed help. He needed salvation. We first met Jethro back in chapter 3, but verse 1 reminds us of the most important detail about him. He was the priest of Midian. Now, we do not know very much about the religion of the Midianites, but it was certainly very different from Israel's belief in the Lord, the one true God of heaven and earth. And being described as the priest of Midian seems to indicate that Jethro presided over that religion. He was not just a priest, but perhaps the chief priest, the high priest of that pagan cult. Alongside his religion there is something else we need to pick up about Jethro at the beginning of this chapter. We don't know for certain but it appears that Jethro was quite disappointed in Moses. Let's have a think about this. Moses, a runaway outlaw, had turned up on Jethro's land and married his daughter. He then carted her off to live amongst all the dangers of Egyptian slavery. Then at some point after that he'd sent her away back to her father. Now, regardless of what the particular details of those exchanges may have been, it's fair to say that no protective parent would have been too pleased to see their child go through all of that. And we get a sense of the tension at the beginning of this story in verse 6, when Jethro sends a message to Moses to prepare him for his visit. Listen to this. Your father in law Jethro, I'm coming to you with your wife and her two sons. Uh oh, or ov ove as they say in the Gallic. That sounds very much to me like an in law on the warpath. No wonder Moses greets him by bowing down before him and kissing him profusely. <laughs> Moses recognised the need to grovel. At first glance then, as priest of Midian and the father of a sent away daughter, Jethro seems pretty closed off to the things of God and the leader of his people, Moses. But that realisation only serves to make what happens next all the more remarkable. It appears that Jethro has heard about what God has done in Egypt and he wants to know more. And as Moses takes him to his tent and explains everything in detail, Jethro is soon convinced. I want us to notice at this point what it says in verse 8. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Isn't it interesting that despite Jethro being his father-in-law, Moses does not spare him any of the details about how difficult everything has been. He doesn't paint a rosy picture to stop Jethro worrying about his daughter and to get him back on side. Instead, Moses lays it all out, even stressing the hardships that the Lord had brought them through and saved them from. So we can imagine Moses here detailing the conditions of Israel's slavery, their panic when trapped at the Red Sea, the arduous trip through the wilderness going the long way round, the hunger and thirst in the desert, and the violent assault by the Amalekites. Moses did not sugarcoat what happened at all. He told the truth of their experiences, and this is important. It is important because God's power is seen most clearly of all in our weakness. And so proves to be the case. In that moment, as Jethro listens, he realizes something profound. The God who is dealing with Israel and Moses is far greater than the gods he serves as priest. In fact, Moses' testimony shows up that Jethro's gods are actually no gods at all. In light of the Lord of heaven and earth, Jethro has nothing. Suddenly then Jethro realises he needs help. He needs salvation. Salvation from his own hardships and weakness. Salvation from the empty promises of his previous beliefs. And wonderfully that moment of conversion happens there and then. As soon as Moses finishes recounting his story, Jethro confesses out loud that Israel's God is incomparable. He says, Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro makes a burnt offering, symbolizing him giving his life to God and seeking his forgiveness. And then Jethro joins in a celebratory meal, marking his entry to the family of God. It is a remarkable conversion and a moment in the Exodus story that is full of joy. We all today need to realise that we still need this help. We need God in our lives. We need salvation from our weakness and vulnerability. The Bible says that we are all sinners heading for death. We need salvation from our sins, salvation from the grave. But the wonderful news is that this help is on offer to us. And it doesn't matter who we are or where we have been, no one needs to be counted out. Even former priests of other religions are welcomed by the Lord when they turn to him. As Christians, we believe that Jesus died to forgive the sin of all and that he rose again to bring life to all. Thereby anyone who turns to him in faith will be saved. All we are to do is to recognise our need of help and follow what Jethro did. We're to make our confession of faith, offer ourselves through the waters of baptism and we then get to sit down with all God's people at the Lord's table. We all need help. We all need salvation. Jethro found what he needed in God. We find it in God's representative on earth, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just before we move on, let me say this. I think we should see Jethro's story as an encouragement to all of us who have family members that have not yet come to faith. Let's not give up hope, but instead persevere Let's just keep telling them of what the Lord has done in our lives. The most effective testimonies are not the exaggerated ones, but the ones that are honest about our ongoing struggles and how God daily meets our needs. In telling of our weakness, God's strength is seen. It enables our loved ones to know that in their weakness, help can be found. The second type of help we find in this reading is the ongoing help that people of faith need in their lives. It is wisdom. Salvation is the most important help we will ever need in life. We are lost without it. But coming to faith does not mean that life will be easy from that moment on. As Christians, we will still face challenges and difficulties. We will still come across problems and have to make big decisions. And because we are all human, We will still get things wrong at times and come into conflict with others. We will need help with our relationships and daily dealings. As believers then we will always need wisdom. We will need help to know what God's will is and what the best way to act is in any given situation. The Bible tells us that it is impossible for us to go it alone. To try and live an individual, closed-off life of faith is as foolish as trying to save yourself in the first place. It just does not work. But as believers, there are clear places we can seek the Lord's help. We find wisdom when we read the Bible, when we pray, when we follow our conscience and use our common sense. We find wisdom when we look for God's signs in life, doors opening and closing before us. But one of the most important sources of help mentioned in the Bible is the wisdom that can be found through the advice and guidance of other believers. People who have experience of walking the journey of faith. People who we know to be close to God. As our passage progresses, we see the people of Israel doing the right thing. As they come across difficulties, as disputes arise, they go to Moses for help. They are seeking his advice, counsel and wisdom. It's not because they believe Moses to be the source of all knowledge. Not at all. In verse 15, it tells us that the people go to Moses as an active step in seeking the will of the Lord. They're choosing not to struggle on alone, but to go and get help. I hope we are aware that we can and are to do the same. When struggling, when unsure which way to turn, let us seek out the wisdom of other believers, particularly elder members of our community who have experience of life and prayer. There are many in this church who I have turned to for help since coming to Isla, and I will continue to do so. I also have trusted friends and mentors in the wider family of God's people right across the UK, who I know will pray with me and give me wise advice. We can all do the same. Let's not struggle on alone. God's help is available to us through the family of his people. The third and final type of help is mentioned in this passage as a direct result of the people's need for wisdom. Very quickly, Moses becomes overloaded. I mean, just imagine one person trying to advise 600,000 men plus their women and children. Moses here is heading for burnout fast, and Jethro immediately sees the problem. In verses 17 to 18, he says, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. This work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. I find it really interesting that it is Jethro that recognises Moses' need for help. Maybe it was because Jethro was an outsider, so he did not carry the assumption that this was the way things had to be done. Maybe it was down to his love for his daughter. Jethro would have been concerned to see her husband wearing himself out. He would have known that Moses breaking down would have damaged her and his grandchildren as well. Or maybe Jethro spots this so quickly because he himself had been a priest of Midian. He knew what it was to guide people and bring their needs before God. Whichever was true, what we find here is that God has brought a foreigner, a worshipper of other gods, into his people at the exact time he needed him. It reminds us that God brings into his family the precise gifts and talents required at any given time even if they've been honed and developed in frankly dubious ways. This episode is another reminder to us of God's sovereignty and how much we need to trust it. Anyway, that said, let's get back to the point. Moses needs help to lead God's people. And Jethro shows him that that help is to come through delegation. Moses is to focus on his key gifts and roles, which is to pray and to teach He is to delegate everything else to those people in the community who are gifted and capable of doing them. He is to hand tasks over let other people be responsible for them and only step back in again if the situation was particularly difficult. Jethro shows Moses that through delegating not only will he stay well and strong but as verse 23 says more people will go away satisfied in the long run The whole community will benefit from sharing out the work. Delegation may then be the recognition of the need for help, but it is not a weakness. Delegation is good leadership. It enables the leader to focus on what they can do and it enables many more to use their gifts and it benefits all in the end. Delegation helps the whole community grow and mature It may be that this is a word of advice for someone here who needs help in their workplace or family, in a committee they serve on, or a social club they're a part of. If you are overloaded, delegate, get the help you need. In letting go, everything will become stronger. But this is certainly what we need to do as a church. I'm increasingly aware that during the pandemic, some new things have started. There is the daily prayer guide, the Thursday evening youth Bible study, the worship group, a monthly article in the ELIC. Yet over the next couple of months, many other things will also be restarting. The Thursday drop in, the stay and play, Teens Cafe in Port Ellen, the church walks, assemblies in the primary schools. Now I cannot possibly do all of those things. Some may well have to stop or change format. But even with doing this, we will definitely need to delegate. We will need others to play their part. I would also like to delegate parts of our weekly services. I would love to have some of you leading us in prayers for others and reading our Bible readings. I think increasing participation will make us a stronger church family. Our passage today shows us that God brings the help that leaders like me need In the family of God's people, you are the ones with the time and the talent and the gifts necessary to take things on. At some point when it's allowed, we will have a church meeting and discuss these things. We'll decide what we want to focus on going forwards. Like Jethro, you'll be able to offer your wise advice and I promise you that I will listen to it. For I too am looking for help and believe that God is wanting to provide it. So to conclude, we have discovered that actually all of us need help at times. And maybe this pandemic has made us more ready to accept that. But throughout our journey through Exodus, we have discovered just why God is the perfect source of the help we need. The God of the Exodus is holy and faithful, always doing the right thing. He sees our suffering, hears our cries and is compassionate in response. He is the God that can be called upon by name in prayer. He can powerfully provide for and protect his people. Nothing is impossible for him. Our God is the sovereign over all the world he has made and every false God and foe within it. Truly, we can trust him with our lives. As Christians, this God has been further revealed to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. He is the one that we are now to turn to for help. He is the source of salvation and our guiding wisdom. By giving his spirit, he is the one who raises up gifts and talents within the church. The message I would like us all to hear is that we all need help. But wonderfully, that help is at hand. Let us not be shy in asking for it. And let us begin that right now in prayer.